Yo, 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 it is about that time. I want to welcome you all wherever you are in the world. This show is growing and we wouldn't be able to do it without you guys. This is the Outside the Box podcast. I am Jacques Slade. I am part of the trifecta. I am part of the triangle. If you only had three fingers, I would be the middle one. Um, we're here today, and we're really excited about the show. We've got some really cool stuff to talk about. Uh, again, I'm Jacques. You can find me at Cousteau all over the internet. But this show wouldn't be what it is without the other two hosts on this show. They they are the boat. They are the float. They are the foundation. I am simply the flare. Uh, Nick, tell them who you are, and tell them where they can find you. <laughs> Uh, I don't. I don't know. Maybe I'm just like the the oar in this boat. Then I don't, is that? Um, but yeah, my name is Nick Engvall. I've uh, been working in the sneaker business for I don't know a decade or so. Um, and uh, you can find me at Nick Engvall, N I C K E N G V A L L on all platforms. I also have a website called Sneaker History that you can check out. Yeah. Same name on all platforms. But really, like like I said, I'm just the oar here. Um, most importantly, is the captain. Tiffany, introduce yourself. <laughs> I don't do boats, so this boat analogy is not really working for me. But um, I'm a plastics engineer. I was at Nike for 13 years, worked on products like the Nike Mag and the Hyper Adapt. And now I have a YouTube channel, and you can find me at Tiffany Beers on YouTube and on Instagram. Um, I, I heard you slip it in there. Um, I don't know if the I don't know if the audience caught it, but I caught it. Um, so this show, the uh, Outside the Box podcast, we learn something new about Tiffany every single week. Uh, we knew we know she was an innovator. We knew she was a creator. Uh, we knew that she worked at Rubbermaid. We knew she worked at Nike. We knew about the Air Mag, but we did not know that she was a plastics engineer and um i'm just telling you guys the more this show goes on the more i respect <laughs> tiffany beers and realize that i really don't know anything at all like it's it's just it's incredible i love it i love it anyway all right so this show we have a really great sponsor for you guys today and i'll talk tell you guys about the sponsor later uh they didn't pay for the uh upfront part of the advertising so we'll talk about them later in the show <laughs> But the first topic we want to cover is something that I think a lot of sneakerheads have some very, very strong opinions about. And it's collabs and hype sneakers versus classic and GR sneakers. In other words, for the love of money or for the love of the game. And this uh, topic was brought to us by MJO23Dan on Twitter. So if you're not following him, go ahead and give him a follow and check him out. He has some very interesting stuff. And actually, he is the one that brought to light the whole story about the band Jordan 1s. If you don't know, so look that up. It's over on Soul Collector. So my opinion here. I love classics and I love hype sneakers, so there is not a versus battle for me. But for a lot of people, um, classics and GRs, they're like, ah, I'm good on that. I just want the hype stuff. I just want the hype stuff that's going to get me noticed. Um, I have a feeling that you two are in the same boat that I'm in, um, but I could be wrong about that. So, Tiffany, are you in the same boat here? Um, I'm not. I, I mean, I'm a purist, and so I'm a 
I'm a strong fan of the classic. Um, mm. But I'm getting more... Well, I don't know. I think there's a place for both of them. Like, if you compare it to cars, like, you have car shows where everybody can bring their stuff out. But just because you're brought to a car show doesn't mean it's, like, the fastest car in the world or the best race car. So you still have performance, and then you still have, like, showy show. So... I think they yeah. both survive just fine. Yeah, I, w- I would agree. I think the the car analogy is great too because if you've you know if you're into cars at all, you've seen you know what you would say is like the classic originally restored you know hot rod or or whatever, and then you've seen like what they would call a resto mod where it's kind of like you know they've restored it to you know maybe seventy percent, but then they've customized the last thirty percent to make it. Perform the way it should nowadays, you know, kind of, kind of think of like the Kobe, like retro, protro, whatever. Um, but you know, my, my opinion on this is, is I, I kind of love both. And I think the thing that people have to realize is like, yes, there's like hype shoes. Yes. There's like classic shoes, but the reality is like the most successful things I think come from when there's a perfect balance of, of both. Right. Like, Right. I, I, don't get me wrong. I think that, like, you know, you should have a pair of, you know, Air Max 1s in your collection. You should have a pair of Jordan 3s. You should have a pair of Chucks. You, everyone should own, like, you know, the 10, 15 basic, these are the sneakers that you need to know about kind of shoes in, like, right. original colorways or close to it. But then I think, like, the a good example is, like, the Para um, collaboration that's going to come out, right? Like, there's, uh, you know, an Air Max 1. It's basically... Let's see. He's done a, he's done like a 2005 collab. He's done like a 2009 Air Maxim one, which was like the kind of fused upper. Then he's done like mm-hmm. a 2010, I think, was like the Cherry Woods, and like you know, like there's just he's constantly working with Nike. But every time he does a version of the Air Max one for whatever special occasion or whatever, just like bring him back in and, and work together again. It just lights up everybody, you know, like anybody that collects yeah. Air Maxes is like absolutely, you know, excited for that. And I think like, yeah, there's some like this new one is, is a little wild as far as the colors go. Um, it's not just like your easy, wearable, like pretty basic tonal stuff. But like that's kind of good in the sense that like you're getting to a point where he's getting a little more creative freedom. He's getting a little more crazy with the colors that he's getting to do. And it represents yeah. his art, you know, cause if you look at his art, if you've been to his shows, it's all over the place. There's so many different styles that he is creating for every show that this really represents like a broad version of, you know, kind of like the strokes of what he's putting up on the wall in his shows. So I yeah. personally, I think there's just like, there's no real, either or i think that there's it's better when like people respect both sides of it and understand that like both of these things coexist and we as consumers really like benefit when something cool happens in the middle of them you know like that's like the huge win for everybody in my opinion yeah and I, i'd agree with that 100 i think this this really argument about the hype versus classics and grs it really boils down to resellers um I think that's kind of what it is like because you know in in his tweet he says for the love of money or the love of the game and you know the the, i feel like the general consensus or the thought is that if you are a reseller you don't have love for the game um but i kind of think that's not necessarily true i think there are some resellers the bigger ones 
that have a genuine love for the game that have been in the game for a long time and they're looking at this as you know it's something i love but it's also something that i can make a living off of so uh, i i guess i say all that to say that maybe there is really not a beef per se um but that's more of i guess what people like to project because maybe they can't get something or because only like the younger generation is going after the hype stuff because they haven't had a, had the time to appreciate what's old quite yet. Yeah. Or they don't, you know, they don't have that time to respect it yet. Um, so all they get is what's cool right now because that's kind of kind of going to want to set the trends for them. But and, and I, again, and I would even I would even argue too, like you know, like to Mar- Marvin's point about the about that for the love of money versus the game. I think that. You know, he is one of those people that is very passionate about this stuff. And he is so important now more than ever to be passionate about, like, finding those original stories and bringing them out. You know, like, he is the guy that that I think best told the Shattered Backboard story before that shoe even came out, might have been. Or, or, you know, when that shoe first came out and explained that there was two two jerseys. Like, without that, like, Nike's not going to go that in-depth, I don't think. You know, they try to on some things. But they're also going to sell you something. Every brand is selling you something. So, like, Marvin's place in, like, kind of the community, I think, is, is very, like, important to kind of guide those stories and also keep some of the brands in check and some of the people that are out there doing stuff in check. But I do agree that, like, you know, my friend Matt actually um, just sent me some pictures yesterday of, like, he's um, in outside of Chicago, but he ended up, like, like kind of going hunting through like a, an old store that had a basement full of old stock. And, oh, you know, wow. he, he makes his living right now selling shoes. But like a lot of that stuff would just sit and nobody would find it. And without him having the passion to go hunt down all these, you know, kind of old things and, and, and the, the thrill of the hunt, so to speak, yeah. those shoes just sit and fall apart and somebody ends up throwing them away usually. So, for right. you know, like I think there's a lot of people that have that balance you know, like, and, and going to the other side of it, the hype side, like where you're talking about, for the most part, you're talking about Yeezys or you're talking about like super limited right. Jordans. Yeah. And, yeah. and those kind of things will always kind of live in their own space. You know, at, at one point, you know, it was the collectors that were going after the really limited stuff. So you had like the, let's say like the, um, you know, like the Clark Kent 112 pack. You know, like that was one of those shoes that like not everybody, if you had to be into sneakers to pay attention to it or like even further back, like dunks, you know, like you had to really like love the shoes to even go after the stuff to keep some of those like the Tokyos or the Parises that were like just ridiculously hard to get here in the States. So um, I I think it's interesting. I think it's it's an interesting question and I am curious to think, I'm curious to know like really what like the younger generation of, you know, like Marvin, I think is probably closer to, to my age or our age. Um, and I think like we kind of fall in the same place on a lot of that stuff, but I'm curious to th- yeah. think of like what the, you know, what the nostalgic piece to the kids that are buying Yeezys right now, because that's a very important piece to keep the business of sneakers moving forward, in my opinion, because if, yeah. if, if, all, these, if all these consumers that are buying the hype stuff right now, lose interest in two or three years, then all the brands see a, a drop in sales and you, you're into this kind of like tough spot of like, how do we get back to the, the golden days or the better days of sales? 
Yeah, it's in- it's interesting, and, and I, I love something that you said that it's really important for guys like Marvin to be around because um, it can kind of help pass on that knowledge and passion and pass on that passion to those that are growing up into the sneaker world today that don't necessarily have that knowledge. Um, that's what I really love um, about what Tiffany does on her channel. Yeah, um, absolutely. How she really goes into detail and, and really gives like an education on the shoe. And I think that's something that people will be able to look back to years from now and be able to pull from um, to, you know, to really tell the complete story of, of a shoe and, you know, with the technical aspects as well, because that's not necessarily something that the, the Jordan generation has the ability to do because that those sort of technical details that Tiffany goes into, that sort of stuff wasn't given to sneakerheads back then, but now they'll be armed with that. And I mean, even from a brand side, I think brands will be able to kind of use that as a resource and look back and go, oh, okay, this is this is the weight of the rubber that we were using. And this is the, the softness or hardness of the stuff that we were using. So the conversations that you hear now from a lot of Jordan heads like, oh, this isn't the same foam or this isn't the same air. or This isn't the same leather or whatever it is like they can re- reference back to Tiffany stuff and, um, and pull that information. But anyway. Yeah. Oh, thanks, guys. Nice little plug there. Yeah, no. yeah I think it is. Yeah, in, yeah, nice little plug. You know, I, I often, when I'm making videos and stuff, I would love to know some of that history on some of those old Jordans. You know, like original three, like even if you measured it now, it wouldn't be, the, the materials deteriorated, right? So it would be a different reading yeah. than it originally came out. Like that would be awesome if we had some data on that back in the day. Yeah, I mean, that'd be dope. That'd be dope. All right, and uh, switching topics here because transitions are my expertise, <laughs> and uh, I'm going to make this one super smooth and awkward at the same time. Um, <laughs> Tiffany sent an article around in our group chat. Again, I just just want to put it out there that I am in a group chat with <laughs> Tiffany Beers um, about being a kid and how shoes affect you as a kid. And this is just something that was just really eye-opening to me, and it's more of just kind of like fun fact part of the show so this is a you know fun fact do 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 fun fact on outside the bunch podcast sort of thing um so can you can you kind of talk to us about a little bit about that article tiffany sure um it was basically a bunch of fine folks at a bunch of fine universities tested a whole bunch of kids uh and what they did is they had a group of kids uh do the basically physical testing with shoes and a group do without shoes. And they found that the kids without shoes that were not wearing shoes uh, were able to have better balance and they were like better at the long jump. So they were better at balancing and jumping. Now the kids that wore the shoes, they call it shod, um, they were better at sprinting. And so they went on to discuss in this, this article from Eureka alert um, or Eureka alert kind of merges there together. Yeah. Um, they went on yeah. to discuss that uh, that basically not wearing shoes, they've done some studies where showing that where kids that don't wear shoes or wear very, very minimal shoes have better motor skill development uh, than kids that have their feet in shoes. And I've heard this over the years several, several times. And so it was interesting to see all this new research coming out. So I guess if you got little ones, try and keep them in bare feet until they go to sprint and then make sure they have shoes on. I guess that's... Yeah, then make sure they have shoes. That's that's interesting because that's... Uh, for the people that are listening to the show, the Nike Free was sort of developed on that concept of being, being barefoot. Um, 
Tinker's brother, and I cannot think of his name. Toby. Toby. Toby Hatfield um, was at Stanford, I believe it was, and he saw people running without shoes, and that gave him the idea. It's something along that story. I'm probably um, doing a terrible job of paraphrasing the story of how the Nike Free came to be. But it's based on that sort of thing. So, and I've always wondered about that. Like, like it, I, I guess imagine that walking without shoes makes your foot, literally makes your foot stronger because there's nothing there to protect it. And it's having full contact with the ground. Um, if I understand this correctly, please feel free to jump in and be like, Jock, no. Um, <laughs> no, actually. At, at any time. I, I think even further back, right, the air rift. It was like when I was, it's probably 95 or 96, that was like the very... Split toe? It, the split toe, yeah. That was actually, I think, done for like long distance runners in Kenya because they were running barefoot at that time. And that was like the whole concept of those too. So, Yeah, so your foot basically, I think the connection is to the, with the kids is like when they're developing and learning to walk... Like if you have shoes on, you you just feel whatever that shoe contact is making with the ground. But if you're barefoot, you your body's perceiving a lot more information and it's building the network of channels and communication throughout the body. And it just does it faster because you're getting better input, if you will. Um, so I think that's where kind of some of the communication or the concepts coming from. And then same with Nike Free, right? You can... If you've worn like free 3.0s, if you throw those on for a couple days um, and you don't break into them, your feet get sore and tired, right? Because it's building the mm-hmm. muscles, but also you feel a lot more of what's going on. If you walk on gravel and some really lightweight freeze, you you know you feel each pod underfoot moving. So it's all about like sensory and perception um, underfoot. Yeah, that's super. That's super interesting. And I mean, it's more of just like a fun fact. So if you have kids or. If, you know, that's something that you guys have ever thought about that, you know, this takes the sneaker thing to another level. It's just super interesting to me to see to see that sort of thing. I've always always wondered about like running and and how um, like there's there's an older generation like they're they're okay with wearing chucks like they can wear chucks all the time and it doesn't necessarily bother them. But like the younger generation, they can't I, I feel like they're they're more they can't wear them basically because they hurt their feet just because they're so flat and they're not used to wearing that type of shoe. Everything that's made these days is basically full of foam and EVA and cushioning and all that sort of stuff as opposed to a Chuck Taylor where it's like you're just walking on cardboard almost. It feels yeah. like sometimes. Yep. Yep. So it that's cool. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, so leaving again the master of the transition, Jacques Slade here. Uh, <laughs> something that is of interest to me in particular is content creation for brands um with the amount of creators that are out there a lot of them have been moved into a place where they're able to actually create content for brands from taking their passion to a point where they can create content for brands um there's a lot of feelings about this um some think it's good some think it's bad um i'll reserve my opinion and uh, I'll let you guys uh, tackle this one. So I'm going to toss this one to you, Nick, and see, like, what are your thoughts about influencers or people with a passion for the product creating content? I mean, I think that it's 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 incredibly powerful, right? Like, um, you know, like Vince Sirico, who actually sent that question in, 
has been working with Adidas. Um, I mean, we worked with him at Finish Line years ago. He's you know, like he's just a great photographer. He understands like the consumer side of things, and he's passionate about this stuff. And he's just created a lot of great content. And I think that that reflects nicely for the brands that work with him, right? And I think you could you could say that with anybody that really cares about what they're putting out there. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of times where. Uh, it's going to be a little long-winded, but we we did this we did this thing with Nike, um, you know, when I was at Finish Line with the I forget what it was Air Max 2015, 2016, something like that, um, where you know it, the campaign was called Dare to Air, and mm-hmm. I didn't want to give that shoe to somebody and tell them to create content that was based on running, although N- Nike considers that their Pinnacle Air Max a running shoe, right? But from a consumer standpoint, nobody really runs in the Air Max. That shoe is just like a stunt shoe. Like that's the shoe you wear because you want the guy across the street or down the block to see the brand new $200, $250 shoe on your foot, right? Like it's more about like like really just showing off that you're paying attention and you're the person that's that's knowing what the newest, latest, greatest Air Max is, right? And right. you know, we did this thing where you, you know, like you were actually involved in that, Jacques. Like you you kind of we're one of the people that that stepped out of the running element, right? And I think that mm-hmm. like it's important for Nike to tell a running story for the for the for the you know like m- main consumer that's just going to see the swoosh and, and a big air bubble and think that's a cool shoe, I want to get it. But in order for a shoe to become popular within like kind of that twenty percent of the sneaker community that really drives the energy part of the business. I think those stories are are better told in a very like like authentic way and the best way to do that is is with influencers you know like let somebody that's super passionate about it you know I think of like your your stuff with that campaign with the you know the photos from the helicopter above Dodger Stadium and above Santa Monica and like Fomer had uh, you know Mr. Fomer Simpson had a great video um, about the streets of New York City and how the Air Max line is tied to this to new york city i mean it was like so good in the way that everything was woven together with his story on that that that's the kind of thing that i think is like a game changer in the way things are are created you know i think that it's it's a beautiful thing for creators and it's also a beautiful thing for brands because brands can go and and create their content and tell the story that they want to tell create the big mass media campaigns that you're going to see billboards on sunset you're going to see you know on the subways in new york but then you can also take that down kind of like we talked about before to like a, a more focused level of content creation and now you're in front of the the like the hype beast, the sneakerheads, the collectors, the OGs, the you know the old school dudes, all of that stuff, because you've given a small percentage of your you know marketing budget to you know this other group to kind of run with it and do their own thing. And like to me, that's like just it's it's a fine line, and a lot of brands haven't even gone down that path far enough, in my opinion. But mm. I think that there's there's always going to be a balance there in order for that to work. So. I think I it's challenging because it, it um, you know, the last thing you want is misinformation. And that's that's where I tend to have a little bit of issue with it. Like there's a lot of misinformation on products out there and it's hard for the brand to police it all, you know. So 
Uh, I think it's definitely a necessity moving forward that they, you know, they have to have influencers and they have to have, it's a, it's the best way to reach everybody and everywhere, you know, Nike as a sports brand, for example, you know, they're going to, they're going to reach elite athletes and then the hype shoes are going to reach the hype beasts and then the sneaker culture. But what about all those other people that don't pay attention to any of that? You know, they're going to reach them through an influencer. And so I, I think it's a great strategy, but like, I think figuring out a way to make sure all the information and, you know, like I said earlier, I'm a purist. So like, I want all my data to be correct. Uh, and as an engineer, you know, I want the information to be correct. I think it's, it's super challenging to, to kind of police everything and edit everything and, and, and have con- some level of control over the information that does represent your brand. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that. And I think one of the, the one of the biggest challenges, you know, related to this is like the way that brands handle communications and the way that brands handle PR, you know, like there's, I don't want to pick on anybody, but there's a lot of brands that have a lot of people that have been doing the same thing for a long time. And that's not going to get, you know, like product seeding to the same group of people or sending out your press release to the same group of people doesn't reach the people that the, the, the diversity that you need in order to truly push like new product out there, in my opinion, with the right message. Right. And I think that's what, right. that's also like the flip side of that is the, the, that's like the beauty of like the content that you're creating Tiffany with, with YouTube, right? Like it's so, it's so valuable and it might not be like this, the instant, you know, like I, I look at you and Jacques and the content that you create on YouTube as like, kind of like the it, look, looking at like the, 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 um, the last conversation we had where it's like, you know, the, the money versus the love, right? Like not that, not that Jacques out there just chasing money, but he's getting the, the super crazy product a lot of the times. And that gets a lot of views, but there's a longer term play there with, with your content, Tiffany, where it's like, that's value that can last for a long, long time. Yeah. So Tiffany, do you ever, um, I mean, you come from an interesting position where you worked for a brand directly. Do you see yourself creating content for a brand somewhere down the line in this YouTube space? Oh, oh yeah. I mean, I'd love to. I mean, if 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 they if a brand wanted me to, you know, I think it'd be super cool. I'd be so honored. I mean, that's like, I, I think they are very careful in who they pick and and everything. Like, you know, you Jacques and. And so I would I would absolutely consider it, but my hang up is gonna be like I I am gonna have to love the product, otherwise you're gonna get my honest opinion, and um, I can't really sway from that as an engineer. Like I'm gonna tell you the facts that I see, so um, right. I think that probably will be <laughs> a downfall yeah. for me. <laughs> but I, but I think that I think that that's like a really cool value though too. You know, like maybe not working directly with you know, a brand on every single product. But I think that like, you know, I feel like we all kind of have a similar mindset when it comes to this stuff where it's like, we can find, we're going to look at things and have an honest opinion about it. And we're also going to find certain things within these categories or brands or, you know, whatever that we really just truly like and enjoy. And it's like, you know, like I I, I thought your, like your video that you just did with the uh, EQT from Adidas, right? Like everybody's, the buzz around that shoe was crazy because it was like, oh, this shoe is super comfortable. There's so much boost, blah, blah, blah. And I love that when, with your video, Tiffany, you were just like, I still love the Ultra Boost because I feel the same way. I was like, I, the EQT is, I think it looks cool, 
But I think that the Ultra Boost is just still like the most comfortable shoe to just throw on on a daily basis all the time. And I thought you you kind of said that well. And I think that that honesty is is I think a lot of the conversation between creating for the brands and creating for yourself to be able to keep that kind of authenticity because as the brands create more stories on their own, there's the counterpoint and the authenticity of like, ah, I bought these and I just really didn't like them, you know? No, I think, I think that's important uh, across the board. Like even with the content that I create, um, I try to make sure, like I always make sure I take the angle of something that I, that I like. Um, if it's some, if it's something that I don't like, then I don't do it. Um, it's, I think it's as a as an influencer and as someone that gives information and provides educational content. I, I think that you know the position that Tiffany and I are in. Like we have to be honest. We have to be clear that you know if we're being paid, we need to say that we're being paid. If not, you know, you know, so that people understand that we're they know that we're giving them the right information and we're not just being paid off. And I think that's super duper important for, um, for everyone. Yeah. Every, even every influencer, like don't yeah. work with, don't work with someone just for the money. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I, especially, I think like, sorry to cut you off. I think that's like so important. Like as somebody who's sent product to people, paid people to do content for me, I think that the most important things are exactly what you said. Be transparent. When you get paid for something, if you're posting it, if you're posting your opinion about something and you were paid to post that opinion, you should you should be telling people that. You know, like if you're posting about something and getting paid, you know, like there's a lot of companies right now that are paying people to talk about their product and it's not doing any good for the because you're just covering up the truth and, and like saying, Oh yeah, I got this free, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But I think more importantly, like content creators, like you really should be considering every time a pro some someone reaches out to you to send a product say that you like it or don't like it because that allows them to then kind of be better focused on the product that they get to you and also right it allows for other people that might like that product to give a better you know kind of story or create more because you know like we're all the same in in a sense that like if we're not really into a product like if I, if somebody handed me a pair of Timberlands, like I don't live in Detroit anymore. Like I don't need a pair of Timberlands. Like I don't like, I have no desire to talk about them or post them on my channel. It's great if I live in the winter weather, but like, why would I ever have that in California? Like, this is just my opinion, but like, that's right. kind of a waste of money on the brand side. It means that the next time around that they're going to see less returns on that marketing budget that they sent spent. So it just a, it just creates a whole much bigger problem when people are not truthful with people, and I think like, you know, at, for companies like all they really need to do is like build relationships and understand what what works for the creator and what they like. Because if you're sending something to somebody that they don't like, it's only going to hurt both sides of that because you're not going to see pe your people are going to see that you're not into it, and the brands yeah. brands aren't going to get any real value from it anyway. So like. Let, let people know what you're into and then hopefully you can create cooler content and better content for both sides of, of the storytelling, right? Like that, at least in my opinion. Sorry, I got on a little little no. tangent there, but. No, no, I agree. I agree 100%. Like, and I, I've taken I've taken the angle where if, if I don't like it, I don't talk about it on my channel. Yep. Um, and, and, that's, and that's more of because I know people 
work very hard on these designs and they work really hard at creating these things and I don't want to trash somebody so I take it as if I I just don't talk about it at all on my channel everything on my channel is something that I genuinely genuinely like um, there's tons of sneakers here and tons of shoes here that come through the studio that just sit here and never get brought up never get shown because it's not something that I like or I tried it and I hated it and I just didn't want to transmit that sort of energy into the world. So, but that's just my angle. That's just the angle that I decided to take. Yeah, and like for mine, I can, like I try not, I always end up voicing if I like it or don't like it, but most of my content is about what is it? Like specifically, what is it and how does it compare to something else? So that, because people, I think right. what I'm hoping to get across on my channel somewhat is that like everybody's feet are different, therefore everybody feels comfort in a different way and everybody feels stability in a different way and so it's not consistent right and so yeah. as long as yep. people find something they feel comfortable they should be happy but going back to the yeah. content creation like i think it'd be super cool if like you know how youtube goes out and um like helps helps their creators make better content right they teach them how like if nike or adidas or puma went out and like found all these people with these great stories of their product and helped them create a piece of content like that would be amazing right because then you get the genuinity yeah, yeah. of the story and the person and they don't have to necessarily be a content creator you know because yeah, content creators right. eventually like will it, you know, you already start to see it becoming the same. Like you try and find your niche. It's it's kind of cookie cutter. You can look it all up on YouTube. <laughs> you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So like this brand assisted content creation, like that would be. I think that would be super interesting. I think that'd be pretty dope. I think that'd be pretty dope. That's a really great idea. Yeah. I mean, I I definitely think there's like there's like an in between there too of like. Uh, like an educational piece right like like i think the three of us have worked in interesting places where we have a lot of insight into maybe the way the product is made way maybe the pro way the product goes to market maybe even how the product is sent out to, to youtubers and influencers and you know celebrities and athletes and all that stuff but there's just a general lack of attention to that kind of like middle section where like it, it's a it's an old traditional you know, public relations PR role that kind of has to be like, you know, upscaled to next level for people to have like the insight or, and also build the trust to have somebody to come in and like tell their story of a shoe. You know, I think, um, the one thing that is actually kind of like what you're saying there, Tiffany is like that Sean Wotherspoon shoe. You know, I feel like him actually going to, to Nike being a part of that Air Max day campaign and being able to create that is the closest thing we've seen to what you're talking about where his passion for the stuff like won him the little design contest and you know like kind of got him as like i mean he's definitely like celebrity status at this point and yeah. i would say that like the success of that and the success of the products that they created out of that is probably some of the best stuff that we've seen in a, in a couple of years in terms of like storytelling and you know colorway and the energy and the like the volkswagen bus they did like that stuff it's it doesn't happen very often and that's kind of the closest thing that we've got to it but i 100 percent agree i think it would be really awesome if the brands really kind of like owned what they were trying to do and brought in you know the the people that really live through those stories that they're trying to tell i mean i this this is totally off off uh off subject but 
how many like VW buses does Nike have? (laughs) 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 Such a random thought. Because I, I was at the Mel, their Melrose store last night, which is something that we'll probably talk about in another episode. Really interesting sort of retail concept there. But they had like a VW bus upstairs. And I was like, how many of these things does Nike have? Did they just go and buy up all of the, like, the old school VW bugs and get them like <laughs> refurbished? And now they're like reconditioned and brand new. I don't know. I'm sorry. I know I kind of broke the seriousness there. But yeah, I just I don't know. Sorry. It just popped in my head again when you said the VW bug. I was like, hmm. <laughs> It is kind of funny though, though, because they're like they've had buses at like a lot of the running shoe launches. Like, uh, there must be backstory to that, right? Yeah, I'm like, is is it, are there five and like they can just they just repaint them, <laughs> or is there you know, or do they have like a lot of twenty or thirty and they're like, oh, we're gonna do an activation, and somebody and somebody's like email Todd and Todd, you know, Todd sits at a junkyard or, or like the Nike yard with the VW buses and he's like, what do you need? We've got it. We need a, we need a blue one today. We need a blue one today. And Todd's like, I got you. I got you. Is this this is the React VW? Perfect. And we're going to New York. And you know, he drives it cross country himself. And it's like full of Nikes in the back. And has like a Nike license. Okay. All right. Now I'm going to. All right. There, All right. There is a backstory though, right? Didn't Phil sell shoes out of the back of one? Like I remember in yeah. uh, pre-haul they yep. have that. Yeah. So, but I've yep. seen a few in the uh, parking garage in my day. I, I will say that. <laughs> But I don't know See? if they were See? employee owned or Nike owned. Like some of them don't have any badging. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. So they're, they're they're like blank slate. Yeah, and, and it's Portland, right? That might just be somebody's like you know ecological yeah. approach to living, right? So I should check Craigslist. This could be a business. This could be a side <laughs> business. Sell V Dubs. Yeah, selling V Dubs. That's hilarious. Uh, <laughs> this is the Outside the Box podcast. It is brought to you by the good folks at Race lacers uh if you ever thought you were the best at tying your shoes and and when i say the best at tying your shoes i mean like the top zero zero point one percent in the country then you need to be talking to the people at race lasers so we're not talking about you people who didn't know how to tie your shoes until you were like four or five we want the people that were early i mean if you were two or three years old and you're like mom i've got this i think you have a place in the race lacers so they're a good sponsor of this show so make sure you check them out look up race lacers on instagram on twitter and on the internet uh they are a good good (laughs) good sponsor for our show and we appreciate everything that they do so before we get out of here there is one more thing that i wanted to talk about and it's about trust I trust that everything that Tiffany says is true. I trust that everything that Nick says is true. I trust that most of the stuff that I say is nonsense. So we we were looking at an article from this place called Fashion United about some of the most trusted brands, and it's broken down by U.S. millennials and Generation Z. And it seems that millennials, which uh, we believe we figured are people that were born in the late 80s, early 90s, those people uh they trust nike nike is the number one most trusted brand and there is not another sneaker brand in the top 10 uh, which i found very very interesting um and they also really trust oreos at number four and target and google at number seven the google i think makes sense because you do your googles and uh that makes sense (laughs) but it's mostly food like everyone trusts food it is most yeah 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, millennials, they're they're at their foodies. I mean, they take pictures of their food. They're like the 20 to 30 year old. And, you know, if you follow any of them, you know, that's <laughs> lots of food, lots of food and shoes on their on their. Yeah, food. actually, the, the only other the only other one in the top 10 that's not, you know, a food or like a, a, a website is the North Face. Yeah, that's interesting. And the, uh, PayPal's in there, too, which I think is pretty cool as well. You should yeah. trust them. Yeah. Now, <laughs> yeah. With your yeah, money. you should. Yes, yeah, yeah, seriously. Yeah, they're dealing with their money. If you don't trust them. them, there's a problem. Uh, yeah. And then for Generation Z, which are uh, like the teenagers uh, right now, their number one trusted, <laughs> most trusted brand is uh, Oreos, um, which I, I feel I feel like that's an age thing. That has to be an age thing. I feel like when you're young, like Oreos, yeah food food like sweets like that works but number two is nike so nike spans a generation from let's say 13 years old to maybe let's say 36 um those are all like those people trust nike number one and number two uh but if you're younger let's say 21 to 13 you actually trust under armor as well um missing from the list is adidas and also missing from the list is Reebok. Um, so I find that both of those missing is interesting, especially considering how popular Adidas is right now. You would think that they would be in that list of most trusted brands, but unfortunately, they're not in the top 10. Um, however, if you're M&Ms, you make number six on both of those lists. And I think that's a win for everybody, <laughs> if we're going to be honest. And then, of, of um, course, you got Amazon on both lists, too. Amazon at seven for the Generation yep. Z and three for the millennials so yeah it's a it's a it's, it's an interesting list yeah. and i can say that i i would say that i trust the list that they that they've put together um they have like craft mac and cheese little debbie i think we all love and appreciate those guys um you know uh, oddly missing from the millennial list is apple um i would assume that people trust apple um but apparently google is more, more trusted along amongst millennials than apple is um but the new generation loves apple because you know they love their iMessage so you know you know those kids and those kids and those crazy cell phones um <laughs> yeah uh anything that you guys would add to this list looking at this list is there anything that you feel is missing or do you feel like it's about accurate as well I mean, I, it's all food. It's almost all food. <laughs> I just can't get over the fact that it's all food. Like, what makes you trust a food company? Because you've never gotten sick or, like, you know, it's the packaging is always nice or something. It's always reliable. It's always there. You can always find it. Uh, I think that's fascinating. And not to mention with the Generation Z, the Oreo's at 75%. Like, that's... That's yeah, a yeah. very high percentage. Like even with millennials at Nike, it was at sixty-five percent, and that was the number one. So, yeah, um, I think there's a bunches I could say that are that are missing off here. Like, um, I don't know, like a Home Depot or a Lowe's or an Ace. Like they always seem to be yeah. pretty trustworthy. I, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Nordstrom, yeah. you can return anything you want. Did you guys hear that someone returned tires to a Nordstrom? Oh my gosh, no. Wait, that's Wait, what? <laughs> I'm bringing in a new topic. Sorry, Jacques. There's, oh, no, this is fine. I love this. <laughs> there's a story that, you know, Nordstrom's return policy, they'll basically take back anything, right? Like, doesn't matter how long you've had it, used whatever. So some people return, a guy returned tires 
and they don't sell tires and they gave him money back. They <laughs> they took them in. They took the tires in. Uh, I'll Google wow. the article, but yeah, it's online somewhere that wow. Nordstrom actually returned a product that <laughs> they never made. <laughs> That's so wow. crazy. All right, and trust. And with and with that, let's wrap up the show, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. This is the Outside the Box podcast. I am Jacques Slade. I can be found all over the internet at K-U-S-T-O-O. That is Cousteau. But again, um, this show just wouldn't be what it is without the other two voices that you hear. Look, look I am the sexy radio voice, okay? Uh, but these two, they are the producer and they are the radio station that keep this show going. Without them, I'm just a guy with a great voice. But them... They make this all a complete package. So, Nick, tell them who you are. Tell them where they can find you. Uh, Nick Engvall, N-I-C-K-E-N-G-V-A-L-L on all platforms. Uh, I'm just a guy that loves sneakers and loves talking to people about sneakers. Uh, really, I'm just here to learn from from um, our, uh, our... Wait, what did you call it, Doc? She's a uh, plastics That's engineer. right. The pl- our plastics engineer. <laughs> Tiffany, tell them how they can find you. Uh, Tiffany Beers uh, at all um, social media, YouTube and Instagram. It's T-I-F-F-A-N-Y-B as in boy, E-E-R-S. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we want to thank you for listening or watching if you're watching over on YouTube. And then don't forget, make sure you hit us on Outside Pods on Twitter and Instagram. Is that it's, that's It's Outside Pods on Instagram, yep. right? As well, yep. Nick? Uh, yeah, hit us up if you have any feedback, if there's any questions, or just hit us up individually on our Twitters or Instagrams if there's anything you want to see on the show, anything you want us to talk about. As always, we appreciate you guys, and we'll see and are hear you next week. You guys take it easy. Peace. <laughs>